हरिनाम प्रभु की जय बूढ़ी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्रीमद भगवद गीता की जय श्री श्री कृष्ण अर्जुन की जय जय श्री भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपात की जय तिरक्षक श्री देवी गोस्वामी महाराज की जय भक्ति सिद्धांत सरस्वती ठाकुर प्रभुपाद की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंदेक्ट left off about 6 months ago sure you all remember where in our discussions from bhagavad gita it was in the third chapter we discussed the two introductory verses to chapter 3 we've been going through this course systematically discussing from this particular edition bhagavad gita's feeling and philosophy since the time of it's being in manuscript form we saw it come to print and now it's in circulation as you know for over a year with good results and um so it took us quite some time to get this far and we've got quite a ways to go so by the grace of Brahman Lydia we are again resuming our discussions here stay tuned and watch your internet screen for the next invitation Chapter 3 is entitled Karma Yoga and as you may recall it begins with two introductory verses that are questions of Arjuna and they represent to some extent his uh, confusion the genesis for these these questions and this confusion is um, in the second chapter the previous chapter previous chapter Krishna spoke uh, briefly in uh, further in rebuttal to Arjuna's rationalization based on religious concerns as to why he should not participate in the battle although his um, his reasoning in one sense was good and it sh- it underscored his standing good standing in in dharma in religion which is certainly the for the most part the standard and usual foundation from which to move into experiential spiritual life or vedanta from a religious background atato dharma jignashu is the beginning of the purva mimamsa and uttar mimamsa atato brahma jignashu so after inquiring sufficiently about dharma about religious life and applying oneself accordingly becomes qualified to inquire into the nature of of brahman so in other words to color our human life with godliness qualifies us in one sense for inquiry into something beyond my humanness in as much as the inquiry into dharma acquaints us with shastra the kind of system built into nature if you will that begins to provide answers to the question that arises in human consciousness the question of why how is a is a question in the lower species of life and there's a system as you can we can already understand built into nature to provide the answers of how how to defend myself uh how to find food and so forth we see there's so many unique systems Uh, the other morning i was woken up by 
skunk's defense system. You know, at Odaria in the middle of the night, apparently one of the cats had tried to take one of the skunks on. And uh, I was fascinated uh, by the, uh, the system, the built-in system, the mechanism of defense, how varied it was and, and unique. And I contemplated that for the better part of the night while I stayed up uh, experiencing the system to some extent. <laughs> so um, anyway, the point is that uh, for all of these basic needs, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, as Prabhupada would speak about them, there's a system, and there's a, and there's a need, necessity for human life as well, and that necessity is to answer the why of, of life. And so there's a system for that, and that is what we, largely what we call Shastra. So as we inquire, and such a wonderful and comprehensive answer as to why comes from up to down, and we become involved in religious life with so many rules and regulations and guidelines uh, by which, uh, as I say, our whole entirety of our human life becomes colored uh, with godliness, with the influence of God, with consideration of, of God. This makes for a prosperous life, a happy life, actually. An honest life is a happy life. And finding that happiness, as we do in Dharma, a subtle happiness, of course, as it is, a more refined happiness than mere material acquisition that may be included, but a sense of doing the right thing. Um, it's a beginning of, uh, of sacrificing, of not just doing whatever the dictates of uh, my mind and senses are. Coming out from under the oppression of that, we can uh, start to become happy. We can start to feel more whole. We feel less than whole, so we try to add things on to our life to make ourselves more whole. But the secret of the scripture is that you don't have to add on, but you have to take off. Even if you're adding on, you have to take off to add on. You have to give to get appropriately, to function appropriately within the system, the order of things. And then while you get those things, while you acquire materially, you also get something else you get a greater sense of, of being and happiness and contentment and so forth and so on, and, and a faith in this uh, body of revelation which causes you to look into it more deeply and as you look into it more deeply you see that there, there are uh, more pressing issues that it seeks to inform us about than merely coloring our human life with godliness. It, it speaks to the depressing uh, reality that, uh, for example, the sun will burn out one day. The sun is burning out. This is like important news. <laughs> People would think we were crazy if we went and marched on Washington with a, with a campaign. The sun is burning out, but uh, in a crude sense, it's, it's telling of, the, as I say, as I mean, what I mean by that is the temporal nature of, of our human existence, however well-adjusted it, it may be, that we are all uh, living, in a sense, on death row. This is our body, is our cell, and the time frame that we have to live in it is our, our sentence. So, as I say, from a religious orientation, we get involved in these type of scriptures, and we come to find out, oh, there's more to this, and we move from inquiring about the nature of Dharma to inquiring about the nature of Brahman spirit, what I am, other than, than humanity. So, anyway, 
point is that, that we saw from the first chapter that in spite of the fact that Arjun was rationalizing as to why he should not fight, he was quite religious. And it tells us that a religious and moral background is that, for the most part, out of which the yogic experience arises. In chapter 2, as I say, while Krishna gave a brief rebuttal to begin the chapter of Arjuna's rationalization as to why he should not fight, his reasoning was good, but the circumstances, if, if we take them into consideration, then his reasoning was, was not good. It was a rationalization for, uh, his, uh, for material attachment. Krishna made it very clear in the first chapter. Arjuna ordered him, bring your chariot here. Let me see who's fighting. Krishna brought the chariot and stopped it right in front of Bhishma and Drona and said, here's what you have. To, here, look at all of your family, he said. This is who's here. He showed him, it means his whole, he showed him himself. He said, this is what you have to fight against yourself, you are your material attachments. All these people represent your attachment, your sense of self. We are, our sense of self is relational. In other words, it's based on what we re, what we related to. I think I'm a mother because I have a daughter. I think I'm a wife because I have a husband. I think I'm a, a grandfather because I have a grandson. So all these identities are based on relationships and as we can see, they're, they're passing, they're changing. And the daughter becomes the wife, becomes the mother, becomes the grandmother. So he told Arjuna, in effect, just how profound, just by driving the chariot. See, just in the narrative, there is so much uh, philosophy. This is Krishna Leela. It moves artfully and, and with charm and beauty. But art or music, if you like, has a mathematical uh, foundation to it. If we, we look at the beautiful artist or we listen to a, uh, the art of a beautiful artist or the music of a beautiful musician, we're taken by that. And we want to we want to go there. We would like to be able to play like that, be able to draw like that. And we, we, we tend to think that they have talent and they're, they're just, it's just something that uh, they happen to be born with. But actually there's a, there's a as I say, there's a mathematical uh, background to that. So to, to love, really, the full face of love that Krishna Leela is about, there's a canvas on which that art is drawn, a canvas of philosophy. We have to know something about tattva if we are to ever attain bhava. Theoretically, you could say, well, not necessarily, in... but practically, yes. Practically, one has to acquire some bandhagyan. Theoretically, one can chant Hare Krishna, no problem. I was giving a heavy talk once, and so much discussion of philosophy, the tattva of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and I was stretching the minds of some of the devotees, and afterwards one fellow said, Marsh, whatever happened to just chant Hare Krishna? I said, you tell me, why don't you just chant Hare Krishna? Answer me, why don't you just chant Hare Why do you do so many other things? Why are you preoccupied with so many other things? And I said, the reason is because you don't listen to this very carefully, and you don't bother to, uh, you don't invite the challenge that a sadhu is supposed to bring to your life. He's supposed to challenge your understanding, that you might grow in your understanding. This is the business of a sadhu. The business of a sadhu is not to come and tell us 
what we already know or tell us that everything is all right. No. It's <laughs> supposed to challenge us and unsettle us, make us a, a little uncomfortable. I mean, in other words, to give us a better look at ourselves or a deeper look at what we're involved in so that we know, oh, I have to rise to the occasion. I have to be alert here. It's, it's not... Uh, I've heard this for so many years, and now I know it all. And uh, this is this happens, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Gaudi Vaishnavism, Gaudi Vedanta, it's a wonderful philosophy. As incomplete as the philosophy is, as any philosophy will be, it's, of course, in our faith, uh, the most complete representation, philosophical representation, way of articulating that uh, experience of, of divine love. And so it's, it's captivating. And... Um, and, and people are involved in it because they're pressed to want to know, as I said earlier, why. And it's such a comprehensive answer, but often, too often we get the answer, why, and it's comprehensive, and then we know why, and then we just get on with our life. We want to know why, and then we, now we know why. So we just carry on with our ordinary life rather than applying that why and changing our life. And the intellect is subtle, and so it's unfortunately it's as, as can be as much of a an aid to us as it can be a, as a source of deception, and it can deceive us in as much as by knowing theoretically, we may think we've gone somewhere. And we may be able to convince others too. Even at the pub, somebody asked me a question the other day. Well, well some devotees they end up at the pub. Does this really work? And, and I'm sure many of them who. You know, have uh, succumbed to that, have probably convinced the guy next to them <laughs> to go to the temple. <laughs> so uh, it's a powerful um, doctrine, compelling. Even a rudimentary explanation can be so. And we can capture somebody else's intellect, and uh, but to capture their heart requires that our heart is also captured and we can speak from some point of experience and realization. And that kind of speaker has the capacity to change our hearts, to challenge our understanding, and to artfully intimidate us, cordially intimidate us into uh, intensifying our own involvement in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This is the business of the, uh, the sadhu to push us along. We say it's a gradual process, no doubt. A fellow asked me that is it possible to become Krishna conscious in one lifetime? I said that uh, it takes many lifetimes, but in one lifetime, you will go. In <laughs> many lifetimes of thinking, in this lifetime I will go, you will go. But the, the wonderful thing is that when you come to that kind of resolve, in this lifetime I will go, then it's not a problem anymore because the, the intensity and the resolve of one's practice brings solace. It gives one the patience, a sense of what the value is, how comprehensive, how worth attaining, and so the patience to attain that. So at any rate, it's important for us to learn the tattva, according, of course, relative to our intellectual capacity. But our intellect has to be also engaged in Krishna consciousness. We're more readily willing to be busy. You see, this is less of a giving in the sense of oneself, in as much as in a hierarchy of material reality, 
as the intellect comes closer to the self. It's still obviously categorically different, but it comes closer to the self. So the giving of oneself physically to keep busy or of one's material assets, even before that, I won't give my, my time, in it, but I extended sense of myself, I give some money or some uh, asset, something like that, then I may involve myself and keep busy. But to give her the mental system, the mind, intellect, and so forth, this can be more more challenging. And when we do that, you see, and truly try to Im- imbibe, digest, underst- understand, digest the tattva of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, collect the sambandha jnana, uh, which is part of Vaidhi Bhakti, then we are uh, we are giving of ourselves even even more comprehensively. We are challenged more, and uh, and this is important. And that is why I told him. I said, "Why you tell me why you don't just chant Hare Krishna? Why you do so many other things? This is the reason why. Because you need to hear so much tattva to understand why you should just chant Hare Krishna. Why you see, Prabhupada used the term over and over and over again from a literary point of view." The editor would have said, a bit repetitive here, the Supreme Personality of God. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God. Mm-hmm. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God. You see, this is such an important point. Because Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, the potential for full giving lies in connection with him. And as I was beginning, as we were speaking earlier, Dharma is in a very crude sense about giving. It's about giving up doing whatever my mind and senses say and doing that, what they say, on godly terms. Okay, uh, I'll do it like this. First, I'll, I'll eat, but I'll offer the food first, uh, or as may be the case. The beginning of, of giving. From the beginning to the, to the end is what the Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. It's about give, giving in the fullest sense. And it, it can be, if you really understand what it means, aham sarvasya prabhavo matasavam pabartate timat buddha This is possible, this full giving that Raghavakti is about, if you understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Full capacity to accept giving. This is the the whole idea of Brajbhakti, self-forgetfulness, full giving. So all these things we have to we have to become acquainted with the philosophical uh, landscape, the, the the stage, which the drama of Krishna Leela is performed, the canvas in which the art of Krishna Leela is, is drawn. This will be helpful for us. Tirtha Maharaj, Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, made a comment that uh, someone had to come to the mat and uh, had been coming for a long time, an elderly lady, and, and just chanting. And I think that Madhav Maharaj's Gurudev was, was there at the time, and somebody asked something about why she hadn't been made as much advancement or something like that. Anyway, he gave a, a very nice and a, an extended explanation of the importance, as I'm stressing in, in brief, of, of the Sambandha again, the proper conceptual orientation to the chanting. With that, that will be very much help our chanting. We understand why better, we be more convinced, and so on and so forth. So we, whatever happened to just chant Hare Krishna? It's a good question. We're trying to bring that about so that you can be happy just chanting Hare Krishna. You have to be convinced of that. So Dharma Jignasu, leads to 
Brahma Jignasu, Arjun showed himself to have to have a strong religious foundation. This was a good thing, and of course. And as I say, in the, given the circumstances, he was abusing. Um, he was rationalizing, in the, in the, just in the course of the narrative. Krishna brought the chariot, as Arjun had ordered. This is whole Bhagavad Gita in one sense, as we discussed. Whole Gaudi Vaishnavism there. Love is supreme. Krishna is conquered by love. He becomes the taxi driver of Arjuna. But even in being conquered by love, in the Braj, to the extent that he forgets that he's the Supreme Personality of God, he still is. He doesn't change. Therefore, even this drunken madness of love, Paradha, his movements are full of wisdom for us. Here he pulled the chariot up, stopped it, in front of Bhishma and Druna, the, the two biggest attachments of Arjuna. And then he said, well, here's what's here. All of your family, both, he said, he included both sides in his language. It's all you, he's saying. Your family, your relatives, the way in which you've identified yourself. Look at every person here. And your identity, as you know, is based on your relationship with them. And that's what you have to contend with. You understand the sense of identity that you derives from these material attachments. We are our desires. So, on account of that, the re religious arguments of Arjun were null and void. Given the circumstances, they were a rationalization. But they were good, and it's important for us to know that they were good in the sense that religious life, the yogic experience, I should say, arises out of a religious life. It begins with yama niyama, for example, in the Ashtanga Yoga. This means the do's and the don'ts, an ethical, moral outlook on life. This should be in place. The Gita is taking us systematically within the, the context of bhakti, which is its emphasis, even though it speaks about many things, from that stage, moral life, to the apparent immoral life of the Rajapasis. And not just gopis, but from one angle of vision within religious life, uh, to step on Krishna would also be immoral. <laughs> to stand on his shoulders and uh, to, to chastise him as Mother Jashoda does. And all. So the whole, the whole of the realm there is, uh, is taking us to a supra, really, supra-religious ideal, supra-moral ideal. But from the very beginning of moral life to the end of religious experience, self-forgetfulness, full giving. So, in the second chapter, Krishna gave a brief rebuttal to Arjuna and then took it to the next level and began to give him theoretical knowledge of the self. He said, so anyway, what, a, what for the human life and all of your arguments, religious as they may be, you're, you're different than the body. In, appropriately, because after all, as I say, Arjun had showed, oh, he was fully immersed with Dharma Jignasu, so now he's ready for Brahma Jignasu. Ourselves, different case, of course. This is an exception. The general rule is, from religious life, then, having been steeped in that, uh, you can begin to inquire about spiritual life. So many of us have come from irreligious life to inquiry not about Brahma, but about Rasa, Rasa Jignasu. How is this possible? And to what extent is it appropriate is another thing. It's possible by the concession, the special concession 
that a super religious person has come into our life. Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastrikoya Lava Matra Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Siddhi Hai. Both Baldev and Shankar have attested to this in their opening, the commentary on their opening stanza of the Brahma Sutras, Atato Brahma Jignasu. The standard method is after Dharma Jignasu, Brahma Jignasu. But if a sadhu comes into your life, it's possible. And if he's a jnani, you can begin Brahma Jignasu. If he's a bhakta, Rasa Jignasu. You can begin. You have, you have, you have some, by that connection, you have some access to this. Is, this is the shortcut. Although we've circumvented, in one sense it appears, the religious life, the fact of the matter is we haven't. Because a real sadhu who gives us the opportunity, who creates for us the adhikar for bhakti, to inquire about such topics, rasa jignasu, who gives us adhikar for that by creating faith in us, it's a sharing of his own uh, being. What is it saying? So man, a man is his faith, a woman is her faith, we are our faith. So it's a very sharing of himself, of his divine uh, experience by association. We become affected by that. Faith comes to us. This is our eligibility. But we really circumvent the religious life because a proper sadhu who creates our adhikar for that also then emphasizes to us where we are on the map. You're on the map. That if you know what the map is, and what the destination is, that in itself is extraordinary. Puri Marjana's humility once was responded to a sectarian dispute between his moth and another moth, the moth of Sridhar Marsh, after the departure of Sridhar Marsh from the world, where some of the members of the Chaitanya Saraswat moth said, oh, the Puri Maharaj, the Sridhar Marsh said he's Kanishta Adhikari. This was caused of a sectarian dispute, so amongst the disciples of Puri and Puri Mar. So Puri Mar's disciples had told the Puri Mar, he said that you, they said, they said, Sridhar Mar said, you are Kanishta Adhikari. means a neophyte devotee. Puri Mar said, who said? Sridhar Marsh? Oh, I've got some Adhikar. He's actually said I have Adhikar for Bhakti. Oh. In this way he showed himself to, to, to be Uttam Adhikari by his response. Let me see. He showed us two things. He's Uttamadikari. And what an Uttamadikari, who understands what this is about, the sense of its value, that some standing, someone of consequence has publicly said that I have standing in this great thing, Krishna Bhakti. Oh, this is a cause for celebration. A great thing. Such an appreciation of being connected to Mahaprabhu's ideal. I told the story before, worth repeating, on this occasion of Mukunda. The disciple of Mahaprabhu had been rejected by Mahaprabhu to keep at a distance. And the devotees, they came into his company, and of course he asked about Mahaprabhu, and he asked, please bring the question to Sri Chaitanya Dev, when I will again get his company? And they came, they told, uh, we have been with Mukunda, Mahaprabhu said, what did he say? What does he say? Well, he has asked only one question. What is that question? Mahaprabhu appeared to be uninterested in him. 
actually was keenly interested. They said, oh, he said, well, uh, he wants to know only one thing, when he will get your association again. Mahaprabhu said, not for a million lifetimes. So they were mortified. They had to go back and tell this to Mukunda. So Mukunda's seeing them, their heads down. What did he say? What did he say? He said, not for a million lifetimes. Mukunda began to dance. Haribol, Haribol. They said, how are you dancing? He said, did you hear us? He said, million, not for a million lifetimes. He said, I know, but I will get. That's all I wanted to know. I will get it. What is a million lifetimes to get this? So they went back to Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu said, what did he say? <laughs> and they told, he began to dance. I will get, I will get, how do you bowl? What did Mahaprabhu say? Bring him here immediately. It's a valuable thing to be connected with this. So valuable, so important. Hmm? Small connection with this is not a small thing at all. So we should not be discouraged to find out where we are on the map. We are not just about there. The experience of sitting with a real sadhu should be this, in a nutshell, in one sense, that I feel my potential. I'm so encouraged by that. I feel close to the thing in, in that sense. My potential, what I am, will not be determined comprehensively without assessing my potential and my association, which determines something about my potential. I feel great potential means that, in a sense, I feel close. At the same time, I feel my conditioning, both things, how far I am, but almost it doesn't matter how far I am, because the, the potential is there, and in that sense, I feel close. Both things, contradictory, but encouraging. So it means where I'm going, and that I'm going there, actually, and first, and second, where I am on the map. So they're quick to tell us, you thought you circumvented the religious life, you didn't. <laughs> now, practice bhakti, and in the context of bhakti, we will look to see to what extent a religious type of standard is becoming normal for you, that that's coming in you, that you're identifying with that. Not that you shall try to go there independently, become a pious person, and think by becoming pious, I'll become qualified to become a devotee. Piety won't get us into Mahaprabhu's kirtan, as we know. We want to enter into Srivas Angam. This is the private kirtan. Mahaprabhu didn't just let anybody in. The one fellow said, I only drink milk. I should be able to enter. Mahaprabhu laughed at him. That fellow cursed Mahaprabhu. Under the pretense of that curse. What is that verse? On the pretext of that tense, Maya, that pretense of that uh, curse, that, that fellow cursed Mahaprabhu said, oh, you will never have a happy family life for saying to me that I cannot get in your kirtan when I'm so pure, I only drink milk. This is how I sustain myself. Mahaprabhu laughed at him. He cursed Mahaprabhu. You will not have a happy family life. Mahaprabhu accepted the curse. That means, Mayam Rigam He became a sannyasi, and he chased, it means he went chasing after the people bewildered by Maya. So, Mahaprabhu would not let him into the kirtan. But he had a superficial role in bringing Mahaprabhu out of the kirtan. Ignoring that fellow, he went after everybody else. <laughs> And we laugh. We'll go after that fellow ourselves. 
Prakabhad is Kirtan out of Srivasangam. The whole Leela of Mahaprabhu coming out of the Srivasangam to do Kirtan, if you follow it, it takes us back there. It shows us how to enter in there. That kind of worship that is taking place in that type of Kirtan, that is synonymous with Vrindavan. We have to go, we have to travel, preach, live an upright, morally upright life like Mahaprabhu in so many respects, preaching widely, purifying the heart, proportionately you can sit down peacefully, meditate. Mahaprabhu entered the Gambira, he showed the other side of his uh, bhajan life. This is the way to enter into the, into the Kirtan of Navadvipa. The Holy Lord is showing that. So it's a high ideal. We may have access to that by the grace of a sadhu, but where we've come from to get there, that will be addressed. And, uh, and we, will be, we will be placed accordingly on the map and the signs that our guide will look for as to our progress will be relative to where we are on the map and we should be acquainted with it and look for those appropriate signs. And it won't be uh, asta mikar, uh, all type of spontaneous transformations of ecstasy to begin with for most persons. If you come out of distress, to bhakti, if you come out of desire for bettering your material situation to the extent, of course these are two of four, inquiring and out of knowledge are the other two. And there may be overlapping, certainly, in all this, but to the extent, the proportion to which our coming is is somewhat motivated by distress or need for material acquisition, our progress would be slower. When Ma, when when Vyas says, Dharma projita kaito traparamunir matsaranam sutam vedyam vastabhamatta vastu sivaram tapatrayun mudanam srimad bhagavate mahamunikate kimbhaparishvaraha sadyo hridayavar udyate tra very quickly, immediately, one who wants just has the desire to inquire about Bhagavatam, Krishna will become arrested in his heart. But Jiva Goswami has commented, yes, if one comes who's already in knowledge, whose heart is already pure, comes to bhakti, then, but if not first, then heart will have to be cleansed, so many things. So, Brajanath, Vijay Kumar, and Jagadharma, they went so quickly. We study, we see, they were, one was a jnani, he had knowledge, one, Jignasu, inquiring, from this they came, therefore they progressed so quickly. So, it's important to know where we are on the map, and where, what to look for, in terms of identifying our progress. We should know, as I'm mentioning, However, that just to be on the map is tremendous progress. One of my godbrothers told Sridhar Maharaj once, I'm not making any progress. He said, no, you're not making any progress. He gave from Padma Purana. You have gone through all these eight, 84 lakhs of species, 8,400,000 species. Now you have human life. You have Sadguru. You're not making any progress. So far you've come. Look at the bigger picture. We should be encouraged. So Arjuna was a proper religious person. Krishna began to speak to him. 
about the nature of the soul. He gave a quick rebuttal of his arguments based on Dharma. Krishna rebuttaled based on Dharma. And while Arjuna said, for example, well, if I enter the war, it'll be irreligious. Krishna said, if you don't go in the war, it will be irreligious, actually. And then know this, you're not the body and so forth. So he gave him that samkhya, the theoretical knowledge of the self. And then he told him that you should... Now I'll teach you about yoga. And I talked about Sankhya, now I want to talk about yoga. So what he really did was he gave theoretical knowledge of the self, and then he began to speak about the means to attain it. This caused some confusion to Arjuna. Just before that, in verse 38 of the second chapter, after, as I say, rebutting the arguments based on Dharma of Arjuna, with similar arguments based on Dharma, Krishna said, so, anyway, now, fight for the sake of fighting and don't be concerned about gain or loss and uh, victory or defeat and so forth. So what he's talking about right there is yoga. He's talking about, really, about the equanimity that uh, is, in one sense, the, the basis of, of yoga and the detachment that is at the root of real uh, spiritual life. So he said that and told him to fight. And then he said, and I talked about Sankhya, now I'll tell you about yoga. So uh, this is, the, as I say, the genesis of Arjuna's confusion that surfaces here in chapter 3, where he asks, you, you know, you told me about knowledge, then you told me to fight. What do you want? O Janardhan, O Keshava, what's up? I'm bewildered. You appear to be saying two contradictory things. And this, we heard an extensive explanation of these two verses. They are filled with Sakya Bhava. Arjuna is a devotee. He's a Pudisambandi. He's a friend, a city pal of Krishna. Like Draupadi also. A city pal of Krishna. As opposed to the uh, Sakas of, of Braj. And Arjuna's temperament is Sakya Bhava mixed with Dasya Bhakti. And being a city pal, he has a greater sense of Krishna's Aishwarya, his godhood, his majesty. We see that in the Gita throughout, and particularly in the 11th chapter, when the godly manifestation of Krishna is so intense and overt, he shows the universe within himself. Arjuna reacts differently than Mother Yashoda. Mother Yashoda saw all the universes in Krishna also. And what did she say? Close your mouth. <laughs> She's chastising him for eating dirt. He opens his mouth and he says, dirt? Is that? The whole universe is in my mouth. Did she offer prayers to him then and say, oh my God, I thought I was your mother and your God. Please forgive me. No, not at all. We don't find that at all. If those Braj Bhaktas should see the majesty of Krishna, it only serves to intensify their own sentiment for him. It's like if a mother finds out her son has become the president. She runs out on the stage in front of everybody. Oh, Bob, my son, you're the president. So that just serves to ornament her, her sentiment. She doesn't think, oh my God, my son's become the president, Mr. President. No. But for Arjun, now his sense of the majesty of Krishna is greater. So when he shows it, well, then he, he asks for forgiveness. Oh, I called you Krishna, Yadava. Saketi, 
these are uh, names of Christians that he cites there that were spoken by him in jest, chiding him. Oh, Yadava, get your Yadava, my dear friend, Saketi. They're kind of teasing him, mock, kind of uh, fighting with him. I use these names, I sat on the same bed with you, but you're God. Oh, my God, what have I done? So his friendship is a little different than the friends in Vrindavan. They never think like that. The basis of friendship, of course, is Vishrambha, equality. Vishrambha also means full faith and confidence. It means equality because it, because it means confidence. With a friend, you can be confident, equals, you can share confidential secrets. The basis of friendship is equality. The more that people, two are on equal footing, the more they can be friends in the full sense of the term. It's pranai, pranai. This is sakyabhava. They have no hesitation to put their foot on, on Krishna's head. They don't see his body as any different than, than their own. Just like I've said before, if you're walking in a crowd and someone touches you, you go, oh. Or you touch them and you go, excuse me, I'm sorry. But there are people who bump into you and touch you and they never say anything and you never say anything because you've identified more with them and their body. And so if they touch you, you have a sense that they are an extension of your own self. So these sakas, they've, they've reached such a status. They call it pranai. It means it's really the basis of what, what we call love in Braj. That's why in the Braj, sometimes it's, it's described that it begins with sakya. Well, Prabhupada was asked by Rishikesh Adanda about Gaudiya attainment in Manjari Bhav. He had been in, associated with Bon Maharaj and he was asking these kind of questions that, that mostly his other disciples weren't asking. He had gotten some information that Prabhupada wasn't fond of speaking about uh, on a regular basis or, or very much publicly. So he said, oh, and your guru is uh, Nayana Mani Manjari. And Prabhupada said, oh, you know, you, you, you know about that. And uh, he began to ask him a few questions, and then he said to Prabhupada, So, uh, Prabhupada, everybody in uh, Gaudi uh, Vaishnava Sampradaya becomes Manjari. And Prabhupada said, Down to Sakyabhav. Interesting comment. What else did he say? On, on a side note, he said, Where were you hearing these things? He said, Krishna Das Babaji. And Prabhupada said, Akinchan Krishna Das Babaji. You see, you don't have to say much to convey a lot of meaning. So profound. First of all, as I'm mentioning, the Braj Bhakti is said to begin at Sakya, in a sense, because the Dasya Bhakti is tinged with Sakya also there. It's all basically intimacy. That's what Madhurja means, intimacy. And then it develops to the extent that Madhurya Bhakti itself, Sringar Bhakti, Sringarasa, is called the, the one quality that's singled out in Chaitanya Charitamrita that is considered exclusive to Sringarasa. In Shantarasa, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami teaches, following the, the Goswamis, of course, we have two qualities detachment from material existence, attachment to Krishna, passive adoration. From there we go to Dasya Bhakti, and a third quality is included, practical service. I spoke about this the other night. In practical service, sometimes they would say, what about practical service? 
this is real practical service in the Leela. This is real what it means, practical service. Don't forget this. We cannot go there very easily, very quickly. That's one thing. We cannot go there with our shoes on. But that's where we want to go. And when you can render service in the Leela, that will be more infinitely more pleasing than any service you can do here. This service here is for that purpose. We have a purpose. We have a goal. We have an ideal. It's love of Krishna. We should be getting that step by step, gradually, but we should be getting that through the service we're rendering here. If a devotee preaches Krishna Nam everywhere, widely, and all the secrets about Krishna that Gaudiya Vaishnavism has to tell, appropriately, with taste, according to the audience, of course, but he will have to tell everything. This is what we are about. This is what it is. This is the trump card of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We're not just uh, preaching reincarnation, vegetarianism, no mayavad. You're not the body. Other people also agree, agree with these things and preach that. There's more to that. We have some charm. Philosophically, we may come to a stalemate with any expert in any tradition. Another Vaishnava Sampradaya, the, the Madhvas, or the, the Advaitins, the Buddhists, they all have good logic. Logic is, is fails, ultimately. So but you may be able to defeat so many, but if you meet an expert in their group who's as competent as you are, then you will meet, reach a stalemate. But the trump card of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is what? But anyway, ours is more true. This is undeniable. This card must be played. So this is what the Goswamis are playing, this card. This is their whole approach. So the, the challenge is how to present the heart of Gaudiya Vaishnavism tastefully. The one who does that and preaches widely, at some point, Krishna will cover his mouth. All those things you're saying about me, enough, enough. Take him back, back to Godhead. Silence him. Like Mahaprabhu wanted to silence Rupa Goswami when he was singing a love song in the Ratayatra. And Rupa Goswami penned a verse explaining what the meaning of that was. He was singing from uh, Kavya Prakash. It's a secular book of uh, Ras Shastra, from the Ras Shastra. Love song. But Rupa Goswami understood his intent. And he penned a verse giving the meaning and tacked it on a wall of his kutir. It was like putting it in a newspaper. And Mahaprabhu saw that. Said, what have you done? He took that, ripped it up and slapped him. How do you know that about me? Then he said, oh, it must be that Sarup Dominar's association. He knows. He's the only other one in this world that knows what I'm about. Well, then there's Ramananda Roy, too. He thought, it must have been by his association that you've come to this. This is Rupa Goswami. He's giving this kind of information about Krishna that causes Krishna to blush. Oh, you know that about me. He's telling that about me. He told you that. Where is he? Okay, come in my phone. Where is he, by the way? He wants to take him back. So we have we have something uh, uh, wonderful to tell. And by our practical service in this world, we should get practical service in the full sense of the term. Practical service. To serve Krishna in the Leela. Why is it more dear? Because it indicates we've progressed. We've made progress. That is the progress. So practical service, then 
from practical service we go to Sakyabhav and there we find that sense of, of equality. And from there we go to Vatsalyabhav and we have now five, what, five, four qualities, five qualities, two from Shantaras, one from Dasiras, one from Sakyaras, Vatsalya, maintenance, palana, protection, that's, that's, she's maintaining Krishna, Melody Soda. And my point is, when we come through Sringarasa, the fifth, he just says, intimacy. And Madhurya, intimacy. All these plus intimacy. That's his way of describing it. It means the full face of intimacy. It's all about intimacy, the Brajra, Leela. It's all Madhurya. It's all sweet. Everything there, every atom of Braj is touched by the romantic life of Krishna. Because that's what's going on there. He's the hero, she is the heroine. They're all involved. Just like in the material world. Everything, every movement, everything, every atom is touched by this attraction between man and woman. So there, everything touched. It's the opposite side, the full side. So it's all intimacy in a sense, but intimacy amongst intimacy, with an intimacy. This is the, the, the conjugal mellow. So in one sense, as I say, it said it begins with the, the, the sakya, sense of equality, where the master and servant relationship is bridged to some extent by that dasya being tinged with sakya. So anyway, he said, down to Sakya. He could have said down to Dasya, but he said down to Sakya. That's another thing. But anyway, and I said, in a sense, even the Dasya is tinged with Sakya in the Braj. And then he said, a side point, what? Oh, a kinchin, Krishna Das Babaji. Here his disciple was inquiring about these higher topics. Krishna Das Babaji was a disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Sashtaka, or godbrother of Prabhupada. And um, so when Prabhupada said, oh, you, you heard from from a, he said, Krishna's Babaji, Prabhupada said, Akinchan Krishna. What does Akinchan mean? Akinchan means no material desire, Das Babaji. No material desire, Krishna Das Babaji. Well, that's who you heard it from. Aha, uh-huh. maybe you should become Akinchan. Then we, these topics will have more relevance. You understand? This is Prabhupada's appropriate emphasis. 